Hey everyone, I just wanted to say that we recorded this episode a few weeks ago. Since then, there has been a lot going on in our country, but none of it will be talked about in this episode. Also, by the time this episode is released, who knows what will have happened before then. We may have been struck by a meteor, the supervolcano in Yellowstone may have erupted, or we could have been invaded by swarms of locusts. Pretty much nothing is off the table these days. We just didn't want you to think that we were being insensitive by not mentioning any of the current events in this episode. It's kind of hard to do that when you have to record weeks in advance sometimes, and things literally are changing every second of every day. So just enjoy this episode where we discuss all the movies and shows we've been watching before shit really hit the fan. We hope you all are safe and healthy, and please take care of each other. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores, we just like wordplay. Hello, welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. On today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the horror movies that we've been watching and uh, some of the other things we've been watching as well. It's been kind of a while since we've just done an episode where we talk about what movies we've been watching, and this is Horse Talk Horror after all, so (laughs) we should probably uh, talk about more horror movies. We've both been watching a lot of new stuff, so we're going to give you... um, you know, some of our recommendations, what to watch, maybe what not to watch. We're also going to give you updates on when all the 2020 horror movies that you were all really looking forward to seeing in the theaters this year, when they may actually be released. And we will let you know if there is going to be any spoilers, but we're going to try and keep this episode as spoiler free as much as possible. Yeah, I know I can't really make any promises, but I will give a warning. Should I say something? spoiler because all of these are, are newer movies. In fact, I think uh, all the movies that I've watched that we're going to be talking about today are all, they were all on our list of upcoming 2020 horror movies. Yeah, I think so. So let's start with our first movie, which yes. is The Lodge. Yes. So this is written and directed by Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, who also wrote and directed Goodnight Mommy. This is a slow psychological horror film that questions whether what you're watching is real or imaginary. Uh, Is it hallucinations brought on by drugs or other mind-altering substances? Maybe a gas leak? (laughs) Is this... Is this too much already? Is this shy? I was actually alert? thinking like <laughs> maybe this is a little too much already. Okay. It's about people that a family that goes up to a lodge in the middle of the mountains and then stuff happens. Is that all we're going to say about it? All we can kind of <laughs> say without getting into any spoilers. Although we'll probably get into spoilers a little bit. Uh, this Yeah, this part may be a little spoilery. We're definitely not going to give away the ending. Right. We sure. won't give away the ending, but this is one of those movies that I feel like it's best kept if you go in cold. So if you don't want to know anything, maybe fast forward a bit, but we won't give away yeah, like who kills so-and-so or whatever. So what did you think <laughs> of this movie, Mindy? I dug it. Um, I was in from like the beginning I actually wrote down in my notebook dripping with dread and suspense from start to finish um as I've talked about before I really love this team and they definitely have an awesome visual aesthetic uh their set design in both Goodnight Mommy and this movie 
I think is incredible. And like even every single framing of their of every single shot is just gorgeous and scary and awesome to watch. Goodnight Mommy was very ambiguous in a lot of ways, and I am all for that. This movie is ambiguous in a lot of ways too. But the I will say that I do think that maybe for their next installation they need to cl- be a little bit more clear depending on the plot and that's I'm going to stop there and ask what you thought of the movie. I I actually liked it too. Um there your point about it being ambiguous. I did think that there was a few things in the film that did not get explained that I thought should have been explained just yes. because there was certain points that they um without saying anything specific there's (laughs) certain things that they were referencing multiple times that I was like okay this is going to lead to something there's a reason why they keep bringing this up and then it just never was explained and I was like hmm okay interesting choice uh in that um the the one thing I was a little disappointed on though was that based on all the hearsay and just from the little bit I read about the film prior to seeing it, I actually thought the film was going to be like way more fucked up and disturbing. Mm. Not to say that it isn't, but I thought I heard comparisons between this movie and Hereditary or Antichrist. Yes. And it's definitely not that disturbing, but it definitely also has its moments. Right. So it could have gone for a little bit more. Yeah, I will. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but I'll just say spoiler alert just in case. Um, there, I think visually, there is very much a connection between Hereditary and um, the the Lodge, and I, this is why I said spoiler alert because there's a dollhouse that figures significantly, like instantly when mm. I saw that dollhouse, I was like, yeah, wait, yeah. really? But the problem that I had with the ambiguity is that I actually found that while I was like dripping with suspense from start to finish my money line there. Um, I, there were things about the situation they were in that I was like, I'm sorry, this is too much of a suspension of my disbelief that this would actually happen. And I'm trying to stay as spoiler free as possible, but there, it drew that drew me out of the movie at times. Whereas like with good night, mommy, I never felt that way. Like even this stuff that, that worked being ambiguous I thought even though like you know the whole movie it's these two kids running around this house while their mom's recovering and they have the run of the place like I still found it I could suspend my disbelief enough to buy into it whereas like with the lodge certain bits about their circumstances I was like okay I'm sorry I just don't think there's any way in hell that this would even happen and if it did that the people behind that need to be arrested or Trying to be spoiler free, but this yes. team has something about children. <laughs> I wonder if they had any traumatic, um, <laughs> traumatic stories from their childhood that uh, makes them incorporate children into their horror movies. Yes, but, but yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder if they both had traumatic tra- childhoods because both of these movies, Goodnight Mommy and The Lodge, both revolve around kids. And Spencer, did you have a comment? Uh, I was just going to say that. When I think when people are comparing it to Hereditary, and Mindy sort of already said this, but um, I do, not from the disturbing side of things, but I think just in the way that the movie feels, yeah. I definitely I definitely mm-hmm. feel a connection between this and Hereditary. 
Um, but yeah, not not with the disturbing factor. Hereditary wins that one. For yeah, sure. right. the a- the atmosphere in this movie was similar. Also, um, what is the name of the main actress in this movie? I'm blanking on it right now. I know it's Elvis Presley's Riley Keogh. Her acting for the first half of this movie, I thought was really bad. I'm just gonna say it. I was like, there's something. I don't know if it was the direction that she was given to act in that way, but there is something about the way she acted that just, um, for me kind of pulled me out of the, the story a little bit, but then halfway through the movie that completely changed. And I don't know if they were going for, Hmm. um, like they wanted like a really strong dichotomy between before and after, you know, when things start to change. Uh, and yes, I can't really go into it more without spoiling anything, but but she definitely, her acting got substantially better as the movie went on. So I'm wondering if that was a directorial, um, cue that she was given. Well, so, and again, without getting into too many spoilers, the one thing I did really like about the movie that at least I found to be the case for me is that I felt like my loyalties kept changing constantly. Like, you know, at one point I was behind, you know, this group of characters and I was like, how dare everyone else? And then like those loyalties shifted depending on what was happening throughout the film. And I'm wondering if you felt that way about her acting and if it wasn't direct directorial choice is that a word directorial yeah it is now (laughs) because I feel like at the beginning of the movie we are again without getting to spoilery we're seeing her sort of through the lens or from the perspective almost of a certain group of characters if that makes sense to you without the the children I think we could say that okay yes yes very much so um yes that's who I'm referring to that's a good that's a good point and then throughout the movie that starts to, that perspective starts to change because I was mm-hmm. like behind the children a hundred percent like from the start of the movie and then sometimes I was behind her and then so, and it kept shifting depending I'm not gonna lie my loyalty was with the dog the whole time oh my god every movie anytime I see a dog in a movie I'm like fuck everyone but if anything happens to this dog I'm right. gonna fucking destroy my television set and I almost, I usually shut off movies if I think they're going to be really disturbing and there's an animal. And I didn't because I knew I wanted to watch this one. And yeah, which is why I hate the lobster, the dog kicking scene in that movie. Oh, yeah. But it was so I clearly. I fucking hate that movie. It was so clearly fake, though. That's no, uh, to I me, it, didn't, it seemed so real. I don't know. I just, I was not a fan of that movie. Anyways, I know. That's a like whole it. different subject. In terms of the her acting, I, I think it's, I mean, at least my personal feeling, I think it's less about her acting, but I, I do think it's more about the director's choice. Yeah. And also, I think it's also the character. Like, I, mm. I remember, and this is, a, this is one of those movies that I feel like I should probably watch a second time. Most movies I uh-huh. should watch two times, especially this one. Um, but I feel like because you don't really know, you're, you're figuring out what's going on at the beginning of the movie. Yes. I do remember feeling one way about her and then feeling another way and not really knowing who she is or what she's doing or what's going on. Well, here's a really good, uh, thank you, Spencer. And here's a good (laughs) place for me to read this quote that I have written down. So here's a quote from uh, one of the writers of the film, Veronica Franz, 
And this comes from Cinema Blend. You said Franz like such an American. I know. Franz. <laughs> Veronica Franz. All right. We wanted to show people being both good and bad, guilty and not guilty. And I think the combination of all of it and the lack of communication that creates the tragedy or the horror. We like that you always see shades of gray. You should not know from the first scene who you should like or not like because of the character being the good guy or not. We want you to like everyone and also at certain moments dislike them. I think they did a very good job with that because as you both said before I even read that quote, you did like constantly your loyalty went back and forth between characters and like who you should root for and who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Uh, So yeah. They succeeded. I, they definitely succeeded in that. Yeah, I was gonna say mission accomplished, guys. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it would be worth a rewatch for sure. And I do think if you wanted to see this movie, if you're someone who is waiting for this to come out, definitely watch it. Like I don't think I think it's a good movie. I, I did enjoy it. I just you know like with anything. Had a few issues with it. And it's free on Hulu now, right? But yeah. Yeah, you could hold that's how we watched it. You could totally watch it on Hulu. So even better. See. You might as well. All right. So next we're gonna be talking about a documentary that Mindy and I both watched. Uh she found it on Amazon and recommended it to me. It is about the Hat Man. And is it just called the Hat Man documentary? I actually didn't even write down the oh, damn title you know i don't i have it in my notebook spencerpedia so look that up thank you the hat man documented cases of pure evil there okay that's go. the full title not sure why i wouldn't write that down <laughs> the documentary basically shows people talking about their personal experiences with seeing the hat man they show semi-realistic reenactments of people's stories I definitely think they could have edited down some of the stories a bit people kept reiterating the same thing over and over again like he didn't have any features and he just watched me and he had a hat but no other features and it was just a dark (laughs) shadow but no features (laughs) like okay we get it he didn't have any features and the beginning of the documentary actually sucked me in right away because I personally saw the hat man when I was younger I think I've talked about it on the show before uh yeah I think I definitely did when um Adriana and Tatiana were on and we were talking about shadow Mm, figures. Yeah. Um, But then as the documentary went on, it just became really comical to me and all the interviewees became less and less credible. For instance, there was one lady who was dressed like the hat man who was talking about her experience seeing him. But when she saw him, it was during an ayahuasca ceremony in Hawaii. So really... How fucking credible is that? Well, and then, so I agree. Um, I actually randomly found it on Amazon, as Sharon said, but like knowing that Sharon had these experiences when she was younger, I immediately texted her and I watched it as well. And I got sucked in at the beginning too, but there was that one woman, her name was something like Tyann, I think. I, I wrote it down. I don't know if that was how you is say that it. the girl who looked like Don Wiener from the movie no. Welcome to the Dobbs? <laughs> I actually kind of liked her because she actually made a point that I just thought observationally. I was like, huh, I never thought about that before, which we'll get to in a second. But um, no, there was another woman who was like very and no judgment. I feel like I need to say like I'm not being judgy in any way, shape or form. But 
the the one woman who talked about like being she talked more towards the end of the documentary I feel like and she was talking about how she had been like hunted since she was a child and all this and I just was a little concerned about her mental state yes I think is this the woman who had all the photographs of the the hat man like like throughout the years like growing up she's like here's a picture of me in the kitchen and here's the hat man behind me but they were literally just shadows and the filmmakers actually had to add like red lines around where this supposed hat man was supposed to be to show us where we're supposed to be looking because I literally could not see any hat man in any of these photos until they added the red lines but they it still didn't look like anything yeah and it was just that there were other things that she said which I won't go into but like I just very much was a little bit more concerned that she might actually have an unaddressed mental health issue and like let's be honest like on these ghost shows especially where they do reenactments a lot of people who talk about the waking up and seeing something not being able to move it's probably sleep apnea or not sleep apnea no sleep paralysis (laughs) thank you or sleep apnea I guess unaddressed but no sleep paralysis definitely not sleep apnea Sleep paralysis like plays in, and I felt like a lot of the stories we started to get into. Okay, that was probably sleep paralysis, you know, like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I it started out with a bang, but like more and more, I felt like it kind of lost credibility. There was even like the one researcher in the documentary who interviewed a lot of people who had seen the Hat Man, and she also noticed a correlation between the number of people who saw the Hat Man and also claimed to be abducted by aliens. Oh, right. <laughs> so that further like diminishes credibility, you know, their credibility in my mind. Like in I'm not saying that I don't necessarily disbelieve in aliens but the chances that someone's going to be abducted by aliens like all right seeing a ufo in the sky or actually being abducted those are two different things and also the fact that you saw like the hat man on top of that like i'm wondering like had they also seen bigfoot like what you know (laughs) that was an odd correlation to make i thought too i was a little that was where i went well wait a second like (laughs) yeah it just I think a lot of these people just have very active imaginations, possibly. Um, and then the most ridiculous one was there was that cop from Illinois who talked about growing up with the shadow man all his life. And then they showed these photos of him at a wedding. And he was going through these wedding photos and said that he like totally froze up when he saw this one photo because he saw the shadow man in the background. And it was literally just, it was like him and his wife or his girlfriend, uh, like posing for a photo in a room full of people who were behind him in the photo. I mean, it went pretty far back into this banquet room mm-hmm. or whatever they're in. And in the very, very back of the photo, there's a blurry image of a man who appears to be a taller man having a conversation with someone. And he's just kind of a dark blur. And the person talking to him, you can see her features and everything. And it, I mean, it looks like she's talking to him and they're having a conversation. And he's like, you can tell by this person who's facing him that she's just looking right through him. Like she has no idea that he's there. And like, this is like the shadow man. This is the person who's been following me or the, you know, whatever the entity that's been following me my entire life. And he was so freaked out. And I was like, dude, that is literally just 
a wedding guest, like <laughs> having a conversation with someone and he's so far back in the background that there's no light on him. So he's a dark shadow. Like, <laughs> dude. Well, yeah, it was you. He looked dark and also he was blurry because it to me. And I have, I feel like I actually have a relatively well-trained eye with this because I do photo and video stuff. Right. There was motion blur. He was yes. moving from the left to the right. And so that's why he was like, you know, a blur, blurry and like shadowy. But there was at least one other person I saw in that photo who was also moving and had motion blur on them. But then he was like, but he was so tall compared to everyone else. Like, no, he wasn't. Dude. He was maybe like a six foot. He was probably just a tall guy. Three guy or something. It's not like he was like seven feet tall. The last gripe I'm going to make about this documentary is that all the captions and title cards were written in such a small font. And we have like a pretty decent size TV. Same. You could not read anything on the screen. Spencer... Spencer, I was like, can you like tell me what that says? He went right up to the TV to try and read what the title cards could say. And he could barely read them from like a foot away from the television set. I don't know who the fuck designed that, but come on. Just like, honestly, if it was a brilliant documentary and still had that, I would be pissed. I've never had to pause something and rewind it to try and read the title card before. And I was doing that like constantly throughout this. You literally needed a magnifying glass. Yeah. As a video editor, I am shocked that that made it to the final cut. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. I actually felt like this was the room 237 for the hat man phenomena. Because I actually, when I watched Room 237, the the documentary about The Shining and and the possible correlation it has to the moon landing, I at first was like, this is a total joke, right? And then there were some people I felt that had some really interesting points to make about The Shining as a movie. Whereas like, I had the opposite effect with this, where it started out where I was like, this is cool and really legit. And then by the end, I was like, no, this is kind of not at all <laughs> so that's that was the first thing that I was like this is totally the room 237 for this hat man phenomena <laughs> I could see that I think we shut off room 237 when they started talking about Nazis and how basically the movie was a, a yeah just like what it was like a Nazi propaganda movie. I don't even know I don't even remember I mean I would have watched the whole thing but Sharon was like nope we're turning this off this is a little <laughs> ridiculous which I agree with it um, was. I would still like to finish it but two things the Hat Man, this documentary, is nowhere near as highbrow as that Room 237 documentary. But yes, it's like sort of on the same lines. Also, f- full disclosure, we didn't even finish the Hat Man documentary. <laughs> no, we had we got about most of the way through. 10 or 15 yeah. minutes left. And I was just like, I can't anymore. Like the, this has lost all credibility. It sucked me in right away because I was like, oh, I want to hear what people have to say about it because I want to hear if their experiences were similar to mine. And actually, after we watched this, there was a last podcast on the left episode yes. where Henry was reading a listener email and the listener was talking about the hat man. And the funny thing about that email was the listener saw the hat man when he was little, multiple times, I think. I only saw him once. But then he also went on to say that he saw spiders in his room, which is also something I've experienced on more than one occasion. And this, I think, might have been some sort of sleep paralysis, even though I was, like, wide awake in bed and, like, talking to my then-boyfriend at the time and was like, 
there's spiders like all over the corner of the room. Like, can't you see him? And he's like, no, you're nuts. <laughs> No, I'm like, I'm wide awake. I'm like, I can see them. I'm like, how can you not see them? I was also going through nursing school at the time and was extremely stressed. So honestly, we kind of lived in a haunted house, which I've also talked about in a previous episode. Um, But I think between living in like a haunted house and the stress from nursing school and possible like sleep paralysis, I think it all played a role. I think the... Uh, and your brain went to spiders. I And it happened well, on multiple occasions too, which is the weird thing. Like on maybe three or four different occasions, I started screaming for him to like come in the room and I was like, look, <laughs> like there's spiders in the room. And every time he was like, nope. Okay, well that actually, it's funny that you should mention that because um, I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of legitimacy or I should say a little bit more no a little bit of legitimacy to this documentary Um, and Sharon you did mention just now that you told me when we were little actually that you saw something that we now kind of we didn't call him the hat man but now kind of sounds like it might be the hat man phenomena or something like it so surprise everyone allow me to to introduce our interview for today. Oh, no. So I'm your credible source. (laughs) She's the co-host of the witty, funny, and always creepy horse talk horror podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Sharon. Woo! So, okay, you did mention to me, I remember when we were little, how old were you when you saw what you saw? And can you tell us where you saw him, what you saw? So I think I was seven or eight years old and I should say that every single night before I saw the hat man I would wake up in the middle of the night and I had a nightlight in my room and it gave me just enough light to where I could see basically everything pretty pretty well in my room it was kind of a bright light but I would always jump out of my bed in the middle of the night. I would run to the living room. I would turn on all the lights in there. I would put on MTV and I would fall asleep watching music videos. This one night I woke up and in the corner of my room on top of my Barbie dream house, which was maybe like three or four feet high. And my room was probably, what is the average? Like 10 to 12 feet high. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Probably eight to 10. And this was, um, so my bed was in the the center of the room. This was like basically in the, if I'm sitting up in bed, it would be the left-hand corner of my room. My nightlight was plugged into the wall on the right side of my room. Okay. There was a tall, dark figure of a man wearing a long, dark coat or cape and also a wide-brimmed hat. And I saw this, and it was like clear as day to me, and I was immediately terrified. And I was like, okay, there has to be a logical explanation for this. Because I was already, you know, into scary movies, into horror. Immediately, I was like, this might be a ghost. And I was like, okay, what else could it be? So I knew that between my nightlight and where I was seeing the shadow, there would have had to have been something there to cast it on the wall. There had to have been something there. There was nothing. There was nothing between my nightlight and the shadow 
to cast that figure onto my wall. So I was like, okay, that's, you know, scratch that off the list. So I'm like, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe I'm imagining it. Pulled the blanket over my head, pulled it back down. It was still there. Okay. It was not going away. Then I thought, well, if I scream for help, maybe my parents will come. They'll see it. You know, they'll believe me. Uh, but I was too scared to yell for my parents because I thought if I started screaming that it might come at me Ooh, because it okay. definitely made me feel very uncomfortable. It, it did not feel friendly. Which is one of the things that many of the people said in the documentary, right. that they were just utterly terrified. Right. And I couldn't remember, because that was actually one of the questions I had, was I couldn't remember if you said that you felt like he was really tall or what, because that was another thing that a lot of people said, was that he was like unusually tall. And you sort yeah. of answered that, but. I mean, between, I mean, he could only be a certain height. Spencer, look up um, Barbie Dreamhouse and see how tall they are. I mean, we can try and figure it out. My my search history is about to get weird. <laughs> I mean, I would say he was at least six feet tall. But okay. also when you're a kid. Right. Like things are just appear bigger to you than well, they are. And also, uh, it's uh, yeah, three feet or four feet tall. Three feet oh. tall, four feet wide. But oh, four feet wide. Yeah. So so three feet or give or take. But the other thing is you said that he was standing on it. But are you sure that I mean, could you see like shadow feet on the top of it? Or did because I'm assuming the the Barbie house was dark. Could he have been behind it and was actually from the no, floor? No, he was on top of it. Okay, he was okay. definitely on top of it because his head was near my ceiling. Okay. And it, it, you could tell the outline of his body that like there was feet. Oh, like at the top of the dream house. At the top of the, yeah. Got so it. maybe like floating above the dream house. Mm, it didn't look like he was floating. It kind of looked okay. like he was standing on it. So basically what ended up happening is I pulled the blankets over my head. I turned the opposite way and just fell back asleep and I never saw it again. And I continued to wake up in the middle of the night, you know, the next night, future nights, never saw it again. And that Spencer's looking at Barbie dream houses. None of those are the ones I own. <laughs> no, no, no. But I found one that's six feet, six oh, inches Jesus. tall. It's this gigantic. Look up Barbie dream house from the eighties. Cause yeah. like, I, I know um, that there are different versions cause I had one and I know that like somebody else had a different kind like maybe you had the, there was one that like had an elevator or something. And then I yep, had one. Mine had the elevator. Yep. Is that's it. Yep. That's it. And actually right on the front, it says over three feet tall. Woo. Yeah. So he, he, I mean, God, he could have been like seven feet if, right. If my ceilings were like 10 feet high. Um, so yeah. And you know, I, I told my parents about it. Of course they didn't believe me. I knew they wouldn't believe me. And then <laughs> later on, my aunt told me a story when I, and this is like when I was a teenager. So this is years and years later. Um, my aunt was telling the story about how my grandpa was going to bed one night. My grandma was already asleep and he turned off all the lights in the living room and he noticed a, basically what I saw, a shadow figure, a guy with a, a dark brim hat and like a, a long cloak or, or coat on. And he just slowly backed up out of the living room facing this figure. Uh -huh. you know, he did not turn his back to it and walked down the hall and went to bed. And my grandpa's a bit, he was a big man and did not scare easily. And this terrified him. And he didn't really like to talk about it, but he told my family 
about it and then we never really talked about it again and he saw it once and I immediately when I heard that story I was like oh my god this is exactly what happened to me so I you know I don't know if this is something in our family I don't know if it was like a warning I believe it though I believe I saw it I don't think it was sleep paralysis because I was awake for a long time looking at it yeah and was not someone who was prone to sleep paralysis at that time. I never had sleep paralysis before or like I didn't have sleep paralysis until I was a teenager and later that's when I started having that issue. Um, but yeah, it was, I I believe it. And I'm, I'm not saying that like, I believe everyone's story who says that they see it, but I know what I saw and I believe a lot of those other people know what they saw and that it was there. And you said you couldn't make out any facial features or anything, but you, it was just like no. a shadow, all black. Totally just dark, like a dark silhouette. Do you, what kind of hat would you say? Like a fedora, top hat, cowboy hat? It was a wide, it was a wide brim. It was not um, a pork pie hat. It was not a fedora. It was more of a wide huh. brim. And like with your grandfather too, it sounds like he didn't try to communicate in any way or approach no. either of you. Like just kind of he lurked. Just, silently walked <laughs> backwards out of the living room oh gosh and <laughs> went horrifying. to sleep um so moving on to the spiders that were you mentioned um when was the last time you remember seeing those um that would be when I was living with my ex-boyfriend who I was with before Spencer I only saw those at that house that yeah. I lived in and I never saw him again and honestly I've never had sleep paralysis since or have like had many paranormal experiences since then I've definitely um had more like I I knew like when my grandma died mm-hmm. and I was like halfway across the country and I I basically knew when she was about to die Spencer's grandma who just passed away a few months ago didn't I tell you like I had a dream about her or something and then it was like within like a week or so yeah she died um but yeah I basically like predicted all of my grandparents deaths so (laughs) uh that's a little freaky I've, I've had a lot of things like that a lot of weird synchronicities um but I've not really seen anything but in terms of when she saw the spiders it was probably at least a decade ago right and yeah. you, you kind of already answered this because I was going to ask if there was anything kind of that you remember happening in your life that was changing but you had mentioned that you were in nursing school which I know was incredibly intense and and kind of difficult to get through people um, think that these things happen during very stressful periods in people's lives and yeah. I can totally see that um but there's also a lot of things that have happened in my life that there there's no way to explain it and there's things that I've seen and heard that other people have also seen and right. heard at the same time as me so there's been someone there to witness it mm-hmm. so the chances of two people seeing or hearing something like that yeah, is pretty remote. Yeah. Any closing remarks? Um, <laughs> if you're out there, Hatman, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, not sure what you wanted that night. If you just want to say hey or 
you're just bored. <laughs> he just likes watching eight And felt girls. like, yeah, scaring the shit out of a little girl. But, you know, it's cool. It's cool. I forgive you. And uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> Peace. Well, thank you, Sharon. <laughs> I have some closing thoughts on Barbie dream houses. Okay. Sorry, just real quick. I know some of you were super excited when I said I found a six foot tall Barbie dream house. Unfortunately, it's only a cardboard front Son it's of like a. a thing that kids can take their picture in front of. So there's no six foot six Barbie dream houses out there. Lame. Not yet. Not yet until <laughs> we make one. Um, but the Barbie house that you had is the simplest thing I have ever seen. Oh, it's yeah. just like it's plastic four, and cardboard. Right. It's just four platforms with plastic uh, dowels basically holding yep. them up with just cartoon wallpaper pasted on the back of the rooms. And I mean, you look at the Barbie dream house today. Dude, and it was it's the, incredible. It was in the 80s. Who Don't judge. I couldn't afford one of the nicer ones. All right. <laughs> it didn't exist. I'm not, it wasn't about what you could afford. <laughs> no, there was probably nicer ones well, back then. too. And I had one that was from like a neighbor that I loved as a kid. And then when they got older, they told me that they gave it away and I was crushed. But it was very close to my birthday. And it turns out they had given it to my parents to give me for my birthday. But mine was like it was slightly different than Sharon's. And it had these like two wings on the side of it that basically it was the same thing. It was all plastic and cardboard and like painted on stuff and then you'd like open the two side panels and it was like yeah i mean i thought it was the greatest thing ever it's probably just i'm just plastic. saying toy design has changed a lot over absolutely the years. yeah mine did not come with a uh black uh, hat man though staying on top of it so <laughs> you got to pay extra for that right yeah you do <laughs> all right well that's th- i think that's all we're gonna yeah, Do you have any on. more questions for me, Mindy, about I, the hat man? That, would, that was it. That, thank you very much, Sharon, for sharing your experience. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. All right, Mindy, what else have you been watching? Um, I randomly actually watched this movie called One Missed Call. That's not what it's called, actually. It's uh, Japanese, but... Uh, that's what it translates to and it's by how do you say that name Spencer Takashi Miike there's naturally an American remake but I happened upon it and I watched the original and I just wanted to mention it because it was fun to watch it's not new by any stretch but it was new to me it's kind of like if you ever wanted to see the grudge and the ring mixed together this would be your movie but the final girl's not as cool Hmm. so you recommend it I, I do just because I think all of those movies are kind of fun, but I've not seen the American version. I don't know. I think that might be on like Amazon or something right now. So I can't vouch for that. But the original, you know, the director, he is a hor- he is known in the horror world. And regardless of what I thought of the final girl, oh, there were, of course, suspenseful moments. I'm a sucker for any sort of Eastern horror film. So and how are the scares in this? Good, good. Um, I mean, it's basically, I didn't really talk about the plot, did I? Um, basically. No, <laughs> we know nothing about this movie other than you watched it. What happens is a group of young people end up getting these strange calls and voicemails on their phones. And they know, they look at their phone and it says, one missed call, hence the name of the movie. Once they listen to the voicemail, they basically hear their own death. 
Or in the case of one girl, she was getting photo texts, like with an image. And the texts all come from the phone of a friend of theirs who's like been missing or deceased. So like she got and it was cool because it was the original movie is a bit dated. So like they had flip phones, but like they could still do (laughs) like, you know, photo text messages. So like the one girl got a picture and it's of herself facing the camera and there's something moving behind her and then like i've already said too much but yeah that sounds super creepy it was creepy i i'm a little curious about the american remake but um if anyone's seen the film audition that uh the same director Mm -hmm. has done he knows his shit when it comes to suspense and horror and i mean i was freaked out so i recommend it but i just happened upon it and wanted to mention it i thought it was really fun cool yeah uh, Sharon, what else have you watched? So I watched Vivarium. Have you? I, I have not I seen this. Okay, I didn't. Th- I didn't think you have seen this. Um, this is that movie with Jesse Eisenberg and Imogene Poots. Uh, it's about a young couple looking for the perfect starter home, and they find themselves trapped in a mysterious labyrinth-like neighborhood of identical houses. Uh, this is one of the movies that we talked about in our upcoming 2020 horror movie episode. So basically they moved to the suburbs. Uh, <laughs> yes, but like the worst possible subdivision that you could ever imagine. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. The, so overall I would not recommend this. I didn't really like it that much. Uh, I definitely thought there was more style, than substance I'm not really sure what the theme of the movie was or the lesson or the moral of the story it didn't really uh convey that to the audience I don't think it definitely left a lot of questions um but ironically it did kind of portray what it's like for pretty much the entire world right now although (laughs) obviously this movie is made way before the pandemic, but the characters in the movie basically can't really leave their house or go to work. There's no other human interaction except for uh, between the couple and, well, I guess mini spoiler, they get a surprise baby um, (laughs) delivered to their doorstep (laughs) and they get boxes of supplies that just show up at their house whenever they need them. So it's eerily similar to kind of the way life is now and you know I I don't think the writers had that in mind when they wrote this movie one of the writers Lorcan Finnegan said quote I think there's no wrong interpretation of the film and I'm really interested in other people's interpretations because you don't even really know where ideas come from They sort of percolate through absorption of whatever your culture and society is creating at the time. So I did appreciate reading that because like I said, the movie left a lot of questions for me. Um, I think that his quote is a lot like how David Lynch is who I'm a huge fan of, but David Lynch lets the viewer interpret his films and he won't ever say that your interpretation is wrong and basically art subjective. And even if the writer had one thing in mind, other people are allowed to have different interpretations if they want to, which I appreciate that in a writer or director. I don't like when filmmakers are so pretentious and they're like, no, like, woo. 
<laughs> she accidentally hit her water bottle. Um, when writers, directors are like, no, like this is what my movie's about. And if you don't understand that, then you're obviously an idiot and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I can't yeah. stand when filmmakers do that. So I have to I say do though, like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, I do appreciate that he's allowing room for interpretation with this movie. Yeah, I also worry, though, that sometimes that's a get-out-of-jail-free card for uh-huh. a lot of people. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, you're totally right about that. Like, David Lynch, I don't feel that way about, because I feel like he gives us enough that we can kind of get an idea a basic idea of what's happening and the stuff that he leaves up to our imagination I'm fine with but that doesn't not very many people can pull that off as we sort of mentioned with like the lodge and it sounds like with this (laughs) no you're right and David Lynch his films are just so beautiful to watch that even if you don't understand anything that's going on you're at least watching this beautiful piece of art for you know two two and a half hours and that in it in and of itself is completely enjoyable. Um, Also, I just feel like this movie just, it didn't even have like that aspect of it where it was just like the, the sets were, it almost kind of looked like they were um, filming it in the um, train set of Beetlejuice. You know what I'm talking about? Where yeah, like, yeah. you know, like when a they're in like the train set and it's like the grass is made out of like foam and you know, it's f- foam. Like, you know, everything is right. fake. It's like cardboard and, and rubber. It, it and, sort of feels like that, uh-huh. but it looks like a, a suburb where every single house is the same. Yeah. So check it out if you're interested. I personally wouldn't really recommend it. Um, I think that. The because I actually did see the trailer for this one before it came out. Okay. I think from what I remember at least, and I may need to rewatch it. That the trailer, I mean, uh, I think that you basically get enough of the important stuff from the movie in just the trailer. Mm-hmm. This is one of those that no. they, I feel like if if I'm remembering correctly, they sort of just not necessarily give it away, but they give you a lot. And I don't know if the movie actually added anything to it 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 did add some stuff to it but i think that the filmmaker it it didn't come across maybe the way that they wanted it to so writer perry uh nemeroff sorry if i mispronounced that but he interviewed the director lorcan finnegan for collider.com and he Basically, just like straight up asked Finnegan every unanswered question that he had about the movie, and oh. Finnegan actually answered him, wow. which is completely unlike Lynch, who would never ever reveal his secrets. Yeah, and like you said, Minnie, I it can be like kind of a cop out to be like, oh, it's you know whatever you want to interpret this film to be because you don't actually have any creative thoughts that you put into the movie. You're just yeah. like, oh, well, this seems kind of cool. Let's do this. Um, so. I read this after I saw the film and it didn't make me like the movie anymore. But if you're interested, go check out the interview. If you want answers to some of the questions, if you have seen this film and are feeling a little underwhelmed, like I am, uh, basically final thoughts. And I'm not the only person who has said this. I've read a lot of reviews of this movie who have basically said the same thing. The movie could have been better as a short film, like a Twilight Zone or a Black Mirror episode. Mm, and okay. 
that's my final thoughts on that. Mindy, uh, anything else that you've been watching? Yeah, well, um, I've got a few things that I've been kind of checking out, but this is actually not watching and more so listening, actually all listening. Um, I discovered this new podcast like production company called Q Code. That's the letter Q and then code. Um, and I'm sort of obsessed with everything they have to offer, um, including uh, a podcast that I just finished called The Left Right Game. Um, it stars and it's produced by Tessa Thompson, who is just an all around awesome lady. But you most recently probably know her from, I think she was in the new Men in Black movie. And then she is on Westworld as well. Basically, uh, she plays a reporter who has heard about kind of like we touched on um, with the uh, Cecil Hotel stories, uh, the, the one possible ex- explanation for Eliza Lamb, the uh, elevator game which is a Korean mm-hmm. like folklore kind of game. Um, this is about uh, Tessa Thompson as a reporter finds this story about what's called the left, right game where you start at a specific point in geography, like in this town where she is, which isn't really identified or specified, but that's okay. And it works in this context. And you start from a specific point and make left rights in a specific order. And it takes you to a new dimension supposedly. So she's doing this basically story about someone who frequents this game and has experience with it and then shit gets weird when they try to execute it and i was sucked in from the get-go so it's, it's like a scripted uh it's a scripted fictional podcast with paranormal undertones i'm gonna say that much but this, yeah that sounds interesting huh this this q code um, company is has put out a few other podcasts that I'm I've already listened to Gaslight, starring Chloe Grace Moretz. I always have to go slow with her name. Her character went missing when she was in high school, and the story picks up at the start of the podcast with her best friend from high school. Who surprise her character turns up on her friend's doorstep one day, like out of nowhere after like ten twenty years. And they sit down for a conversation. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, And they just started a new podcast called Baraska, which I don't know very much about because I literally just started it like this week. But they also have an offering called Carrier, which is in my list to listen to, starring everyone's new favorite, especially mine, Cynthia Arrivo from uh, most recently the HBO. What was the show? I'm totally blanking on it. The Stephen King show. The Outsider. Thank you. She was on The Outsider. <laughs> um, Don't put me on the spot like that. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I feel like look up Q Code on whatever streaming. I don't mean to like plug other podcasts, but ours, this is fictional. So check them out on whatever hey, streaming. You have to support everyone. We're not we're yeah. not haters and we're not going to not support other podcasts no. out there that are good. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. But check out, just look up Q Code on whatever streaming service you, you follow because from what I've been able to tell all of their offerings are awesome and they all have this weird creepy like mystery underneath it all and maybe you get an explanation maybe you don't that's all I'm gonna say but I've enjoyed everything that I've listened to from them so I cannot recommend them enough have you watched the movie the platform yet I have not but I know that you guys did it honestly didn't really interest me all that much but I'm curious what you guys have to say about it because that was another one that popped up on Netflix or something that was like you should watch this so should I yeah I 
it's, I think you should, well, I mean, like I said, you have to anyways, because (laughs) we need to discuss all these movies at the end of the year. This was Um, rhetorical. Go with me on it. (laughs) Yeah. So you liked it. I did actually really like it. It, it's really makes you think, um, it's for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a Spanish film that is set in a vertical prison where inmates live two to a cell and they only get to eat when a platform passes through their level and pauses for two minutes while they feast. And the horror of it all is that the table starts full at the top and then those near the bottom only get to eat what is left at the end, which for some of the platforms, there's nothing left at the end. Um, and then people get randomly rotated to other levels of the prison. Um, every month they just get, you know, so sometimes people are at the top. Sometimes people are at the bottom. Sometimes people are in the middle, but of course people quickly forget where they come from. And it shows basically the worst aspects of human nature. And it comes down to every man for themselves. You know, once people have a taste of the top and they know how good it is, they're completely selfish. And then, you know, they know what it's like to be at the bottom, most of these people, and and that those people are starving, but yet they don't <laughs> think about that, and they just consume as much as possible. Um, so the movie makes a lot of statements about human selfishness, consumerism, immigration, prison systems. Uh, you know, it shows how civilized people can become less civilized and dehumanized. It's really fun. It's yeah, no, it's not honestly like right now with everything that is going on in this country, it is probably if you're looking for some sort of an escape to everything that's going on, <laughs> this is probably not the movie to watch right now. Gotcha. Um the only things that I had an issue with, there's a couple of things about the prison where they let some people come in voluntarily. And I'm not really sure why they never really explained that. Um, but the two people who did go into the prison voluntarily that we knew about were the ones who actually did try and make a difference and help others so that no one would starve. So uh, yeah, it, it's a very interesting concept and I I would recommend this but just maybe (laughs) maybe not right now okay good to know but yeah otherwise maybe uh I would recommend watching dead to me (laughs) instead (laughs) which Spencer and I binged the entire second season in one day nice um yeah, it's so good. Did you watch it yet? Please tell me you watched it. I haven't as I watched something else, which I'll get to God in a minute. damn it. Mindy- well, two things, actually, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. Well, Linda Cardellini and Christina Applegate are, like, I just love their chemistry together. Yeah, they're great. Um, They're so great. And if you like the first season, the second season does not disappoint. It keeps you guessing along the way. A lot of surprises, just like in the first season. And it also leaves things open enough for a third season. Uh, There is a bit of a cliffhanger, but I can also kind of see how they could just end it. I I don't think they are. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a third season just because the show is so popular. But also if they just decided to end it with that cliffhanger, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Okay. But fucking watch it, dude. It's so good. And it, it, that is a good distraction. Cool. Okay, good. Good to know. Um, 
I have been watching, I talked about this on a different episode, but I just want to talk again really quick about the show Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel. They are, it's again the show about a bunch of scientists that are studying, as advertised, Skinwalker Ranch, which is a area of land in Utah, I believe, um, that has been known for years to have weird paranormal, possibly alien invasion type activity happening, like cattle mutilation and the like. Um, I, I'm only bringing this up again because I feel like they're basically all like reality paranormal shows do a lot of, oh my God, did you hear that? And like not a whole lot of pay, actual payoff. And this show is fucking paying off. Like they have actually Ooh. found stuff and uncovered shit that like my dad has been emailing me and being like, holy shit, have you seen this show? Uh, so it's worth checking out. Is all I'm saying. I didn't know how it was going to be going in, but ho- now I'm like, holy shit! They like actually have scientific data that is crazy. So, and that's History Channel. It's a History Channel. Yes. Um, okay, I'm gonna but, put. I did not put that one on my list before, so I'm gonna actually add that one right now before I forget. I think it's worth watching. Um, okay. But one of the reasons that I I haven't gone. It is just called Skinwalker Ranch. If you look it up by that, you'll find it. Okay. Yeah. But the reason I haven't moved on to Dead to Me is because um, I recently got a new phone and with my phone came a year free trial to the Apple TV streaming service, which I took because I was curious about a non-horror related show called Mythic Quest, which if you're not familiar, is a new show that's produced and created by Rob Rob McElhaney, uh, Charlie Day, and Megan Gans, who is of a fantastic producer and writer. Um, she wrote for Community and wrote some of the best episodes of Community. She's amazing. Um, and for those who don't know who Rob and Charlie are? They are the uh, co-creators and producers as well of the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is, I know Sharon and I are huge fans, and that's why I wanted to watch this show. But also Mythic Quest is about a tech company, uh, specifically a gaming company, and they are they produce the live action role play game uh, called Mythic Quest. They are on the verge of releasing their very first expansion pack. If you're thinking right now, this sounds kind of nerdier, but like Silicon Valley, you're not wrong. Um, But this show kind of kicks Silicon Valley's ass. And I'm going to just say that because I'm a fan of Silicon Valley, but I've sort of, I've had issues with it and I do work in the tech field. And I will say that like, while yes, women are, are rare in the tech field, Silicon Valley has been criticized for kind of glossing over that and not dealing with that issue. Whereas Mythic Quest, there's a good chance that it wouldn't even exist without Silicon Valley. But it was way funnier and makes more and better points about the tech industry and is much less mean spirited than Silicon Valley. And they, at the very end of the season, did this epic as fuck work from home episode during the pandemic. And I cannot recommend this show enough. The problem is who the fuck is buying into Apple's streaming service? Like I literally got a free, a year long free trial, which is why I did it. So if you're someone that has access to that service, check out Mythic Quest because it's so, it's so, so, so good. It's so good. It reminds me. Question. 
What? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go. No, no. I was just going to say it reminded me a little bit of Bojack Horseman and that like for me, Bojack drew me in by like the raunchy humor. But then I stayed because I was like, whoa, this has way more substance than I was expecting. And that's exactly kind of the same deal with Mythic Quest. And it's amazing and great and wonderful. And they're already uh, up for a second season. They've been renewed. But like, we don't know when that's going to happen. Likewise, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Just got renewed for like a record, like fifteenth season or some shit. So yeah, it's the it'll be the longest running live action comedy show. Suck it, Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> Actually, it beat um, Ozzy and Harriet. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know that. Both very similar shows. <laughs> Ozzy and Harriet, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Do you remember that episode where Ozzy bangs Harriet's ma? <laughs> Wait, what was their relationship? I don't even know. I think they were husband and wife. I don't know. That's oh, great. So <laughs> That's one show I've never seen. But that's something that would happen in It's Always Sunny. In yes, fact, there's yes. probably fact, an episode. It did happen. Yeah. That was, yeah, very similar. All right. Any Anything else that you've been watching? I think that's about it. So now let's talk about updates on horror movies that were supposed to be released in the theater this year already or had upcoming release dates that had to get switched around a bit because of some shit that happened this year. Um, So these are the updated, hopefully, theatrical release dates. Hopefully, as of 5.30, (laughs) honestly, anything we talk about right now, subject to change, depending on what other dumpster fires get right at us. so as of <laughs> like, now we think we'll be able to see it in the theater but who knows but who knows and honestly who knows if we'll even want to go see these movies in the theater on their release dates because just because they open up theaters doesn't mean we should all go right but anyways um these are more of like the bigger movies that were coming out this year, the ones that had kind of the most hype. Yeah, there's a lot of really small movies that we're not talking about. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, These are just like a handful of the ones that were supposed to be really good. Starting to feel the beer? All right. (laughs) Uh, I noticed that about 15 minutes ago. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, so the first movie we have is St. Maud about Maud, a newly devout hospice nurse who becomes obsessed with saving her dying patient soul, but sinister forces and her own sinful past threaten to put an end to her holy calling. So this is supposed to have pretty good reviews. Mm. The actress who plays Maud is supposed to be really good in this movie. No release date has been set okay. as of now, though. So wah, wah. That's your update. <laughs> That's my update. Is there still no release date for Remember that this movie exists, but we don't know when we're going to see it. I mean, it's, I was kind of excited to see this because no, it, yeah, it, it sounded great. interesting and the acting was supposed to be really good. So that's why I added it. Uh, Mindy? So Antlers, starring Carrie Russell. Woo woo. I love her. Uh, it's still set for a fall release of this fall 2020. Um, to recap, this is about a small town teacher in Oregon and her local sheriff brother, who become worried about one of her students who may be keeping a paranormal creature in his home. This film was based on the short story, The Quiet Boy, written by Nick Andoska. I'm going. Antoska. 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 I'm going with that. Antoska. Antoska. Okay. (laughs) Which can be read on the website Guarnica. And I read it and it's a good story. Yeah. I have to read that. I haven't yet, but I will now for sure. 
So if the movie doesn't come out this fall, just read the short story. Well, I'm going to anyway. What's next, Darren? So I know this next movie, Mindy and I are super excited to see, mm-hmm. Antebellum, starring Janelle Monet. It's her new horror movie that was supposed to be released on April 24th. Ugh. Now it's set for release on August 21st, which is kind of soon. So who knows? This might get pushed back even more. Yeah. Um, but Monet plays a successful author who finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. So th- this is one of those movies where I would think they would probably just keep pushing it back other than releasing it to VOD. Hmm. I will say that I haven't gotten very far, but I did watch one or two episodes of the show Homecoming on Amazon Prime. based, mm. And it's based on a podcast. Her new show. And she's, for season two, The season one was based on a podcast that like actually starred uh, the doctor who's played by Julia Roberts in the Amazon Prime series, the podcast starred Catherine Keener in that role and Oscar Isaac as the patient she was working with, which I did not listen to, surprisingly, because I'm a huge fan of Oscar Isaac. But I did watch a few episodes, which is of season two of Homecoming, which is sort of related to season one. But Janelle Monet is the lead in that. And she's as awesome acting as she is musically. So I, I want to see Antebellum like any way shape or form if it's in the theaters if it's on VOD I don't care I just want to see it yeah this is one I would prefer to see in the theater but if yeah we have to watch it VOD then that's what we have to do um this next movie though I do not think they would release to VOD I think this would just keep getting pushed back because it's kind of a bigger film as well and that movie Uh, quiet place Oh, huh? I was going to say, and that movie is? <laughs> and that movie is, Mindy, uh, Quiet Place 2, which now has a release date of September 4th, my birthday. It so. doesn't, oh, yay. It doesn't matter, though, because I'm still going to watch this at home because I had a huge emotional response to the first movie, and I am not Because you don't want to cry in public. I'm not <laughs> risking being a hysterical freak show in public, no. But I do want to see this movie because Killian Murphy's hot, and he's in it, and I love the first film, so yes. Also, I'll take the next one we have on our list. Uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw by Chris Rock. It's Saw's reboot. Now has a release date of May 21st, 2021. Holy shit. Yeah, they really pushed that one back. Actually, I had to update this because originally, maybe like a week ago or a couple weeks ago, um, it was supposed to be released this fall. And then I, I double-checked everything today to make sure the release dates were still accurate. And it was like, nope, <laughs> 2021 now. So, mm. yeah, that shit changed. But you know what? This is definitely one Yeah, I want to see in the theater. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. All good things come to those who wait. Hopefully. Do you want to? We could jointly do the last one because we're both from Chicago. Sure. All right. <laughs> the new Candyman reboot has a release date for September 25th. Definitely one we have to see in the theaters, I think. I agree. Uh, and Jordan Peele, who is one of the writers and producers of the new film, has called the reboot a spiritual sequel to the 1992 original that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. 
It is said that it will bypass the events of the two Candyman sequels, um, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh from 1995 and Candyman Day of the Dead from 1999. I think I saw that the original, though, is playing on HBO right now, so I'm going to rewatch it for sure. And I've never seen it. Oh, what? really? You should watch it. You've never seen it? All right. We're going to watch that. Yeah. It's- <laughs> oh, yeah. I've wanted to see it for a long time, but, you know, just haven't. We'll make sure to watch it before this reboot comes out. For sure. Well, and it's related to yeah. Chicago and Chicago neighborhoods, so it's definitely worth a watch. And last but certainly not least, for all you David Lynch fans out there, if you have not already, you can now subscribe to david lynch theater on youtube which he created back in november of 2018 and he just started adding new stuff to his youtube channel he's been putting out his weather reports again and also he just started putting out short videos called what is david working on today which are really short less than two minute videos of what he's doing in his workshop or art studio uh whatever i don't know what he calls it or refers to it as (laughs) uh but he also put out a 10 and a half minute animated short film called fire or posar which i believe is the polish word for fire have you did you watch that yet mindy i haven't god damn it (laughs) i've been watching other stuff i know i'm sorry it's 10 and a half minutes i know i'll watch it it's beautiful i loved it i actually need to watch it again um but yeah definitely check out uh fire or posar Uh, It's written, drawn, and directed by David Lynch. It's animated by Noriko Miyakawa. Very good. I can do do it, Spencer. All right. Animated by Noriko Miyakawa and music by Marek Zabrowski. He has a thing for Polish stuff because in Inland Empire, that's the whole crux of that movie is this Polish folktale. Well, yeah, and also I believe they they filmed uh, a lot of it in Poland, and then That's there awesome. was you no know, he he's had a a lot of artwork over there. No, he d- definitely loves that area. I forget the name of the town that he's um, he d- filmed a lot of the scenes for Inland Empire in, and he ha- actually I think had some big art show over there within the last few years. But yes, he does have a thing for. Uh, Poland which hey (laughs) what up we're both Polish so that's awesome but yeah I've been watching all his stuff and I'm you know it's kind of one of the highlights of this whole quarantine is seeing the things that he's putting out and I love that he's putting new stuff out and still being as creative as he's always been and definitely check out his 10 and a half minute animated short film because it's it's beautiful and kind of mesmerizing and awesome. I think I'm going to rewatch that tonight actually. I'll watch that later. Yeah. It's cool that he's sort of embracing this whole idea of like this virtual like broadcasting or whatever you would call it. Like, you know, making art that can be, you know, shared via virtual services because that's where we are right now in life. And that's really cool that he's just embracing that and going with it. So I'm down. Mm hmm. Yeah, he always seems to embrace uh, new technologies and just where the world's going, like the way he did with digital film and kind of transitioned yeah. over to that from from regular film. So cool. Yeah. So I think that is about it for today. I think so. I think that's about enough. 
<laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you are able to, please subscribe to our Patreon if you want to have early access to episodes, her exclusive episodes, and receive cool gifts. We also have been posting some fun stuff for Patreon members, so you get like you know other recommendations of what to watch or just cool shit in general from us. If you go to Horrors Talk Horror on Instagram, you will find links to our streaming locations and Patreon. Uh, Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And if you have any scary stories or creepy stories or hat man experiences or anything you want to share, please email us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com. And also, I just want to say that Every day, shit's getting scarier and scarier. Yep. And we just hope all of you are uh, being safe. We hope you're all just being safe and taking care of each other and being nice to each other and kind to each other because that's what we need to be doing right now, I think. Right? Yep. Yes. Don't hate, just love. Nay, there we go. And as always, thanks Thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.